a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company. Story Connect, the podcast, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. What does the latest customer data say about video service and managed Wi-Fi? That's what we'll be talking about on this episode of Story Connect, the podcast. I'm your host, Andy Johns, and uh, I am joined today by Scott Soboleski, the VP of Sales for Voice and Video with Innovative Systems. Scott, thanks for joining me. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, Scott gave a uh, presentation yesterday here at the KTA TTA conference that was just full of uh, good information. Uh, I, I've written down a couple of the, the stats that you had in the survey, and I'll let you get into the, the methodology and kind of uh, where you all found it. Um, uh, but some of the stats I had written down, uh, we'll start with video and then we'll get into managed Wi-Fi a little bit later. Um, but uh, one of the ones I'd written down, uh, so in the survey, it said that the uh, the average length of service uh, with current video providers was 11.8 or almost 12 years. So uh, folks are sticking with uh, their providers for quite a while. Uh, the, the stats said that bundles are still very important uh, to folks uh, with video service. Uh, the local news uh, is one of the driving factors, one of the most important things um, that they're looking for. And, of course, those local channels are um, the, the most watched um, uh, channels there. So when we talk about video stats, what are some of the things uh, that you found most interesting in the uh, the study as the, the results were coming out in regards to video? Some of the more interesting things were um, high satisfaction with the video provider That's in good news. the rural markets. Um, uh, with the trend down a little bit from when we first started sponsoring the Cronin survey uh, three years ago, um, so then you get into reasons, you know, why has that maybe dropped a little bit? And uh, the primary reason would probably be price, as shown in the follow-up question. And unfortunately for the video service providers in general, uh, content costs continues to go up. Sure. And there's an arm's-length relationship between the, uh, the programmers and the consumer with the uh, MVPDs in the middle. Uh, and so as they have had increased costs, they've had to pass those along. And that's probably been the primary source of friction between uh, the end customer uh, and the service providers. Interesting. So uh, obviously that plays into it. Uh, you know, the price would be a part of it, uh, not just the, the quality and, and all the other features, but obviously price is going to uh, play a role there. Uh, what were some of the other things that you um, that you saw in the results uh, in regards to video? Um, the reasons for high ratings were uh, many of our customers do a great job of service in general and customer service. So uh, problem free uh, was a high reason for um, probably uh, for satisfaction, and then uh, very reliable service with very few outages as well. Uh, and so it tends to be more reliable coming anytime you have a wired connection versus something like wireless, such as satellite. Sure. Uh, the previous podcast that I recorded um, with Jeff over at VMedia, Media, we talked a lot about OTT over the top. Um, you know, the, the numbers that, that he had seen and that he shared 
um, you know, the OTT is, is growing, but it's still, you know, the, the traditional, um, either IP or cable, um, TV service, linear, uh, video like that is still the, uh, you know, I think we said the 800 pound gorilla. Is that, uh, the numbers that you saw, does that kind of support that, that there, there are cord cutters out there, but it's still a, 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 a relatively small number at this point? It is. There's growth in that area. And anytime you have growth, that attracts um, companies to it, whether they be you know software providers like ourselves or service providers. At the same time, uh, we recently had a user group meeting, uh, and one of the things I wanted to see, because of all the talk about over the top and the growth there, what will would be the worst projection I could find by analysts um, that said what is subscription video going to be in the future? And the worst that I found was that 60% of households will still have subscription video in 2030. I mean, that's a lot, long time from now, and a lot could change. Sure. But that is a uh, still over half right. of consumer households would have some kind of subscription video. So for uh, all of the industry talk about over the top and, you know, cord cutting and cord nevers, um, you know, we have a belief that. Uh, things change as people, young people get families, uh, as they eyes get older, as they get larger homes and want to watch things on big screen TVs. Uh, we believe there's going to continue over the top type content is going to grow, but at the same time in most homes be complementary to some kind of subscription video. Excellent. I was going to move on to broadband and Wi-Fi topics, unless there was anything on video that, that you wanted to bring up before, before we move on. Uh, the other thing you had mentioned on video was the importance of local channels and sure. local news. And that, that's probably even more important in uh, the rural markets. Uh, and, you know, video overall being a value. In rural markets, you have uh, typically fewer entertainment options than in the metropolitan areas. It's not as easy to go out and, you know, see your favorite band in a concert or uh, even go and see local bands or local entertainment. Uh, perhaps, you know, some of these markets don't even have movie theaters or it might be a long drive to the movie theater. Sure. So uh, video is, you know, in our belief, a more important part of entertainment for households than you see in the metropolitan areas. And part of our reason for sponsoring the Cronin study was to show the difference between what is mostly reported in the media, which covers the nation overall, and because the metropolitan areas are the most populated, that's where most of the sampling comes from. And by sampling just the rural areas, uh, the idea is to show how video is different to households and end users than it is in those metropolitan areas. And I think that's a very important point because uh, a lot of what we've heard from folks, uh, you know, a complaint from the marketing, the communications folks is, you know, the only data we can get is statewide or is by DMA, which, of course, you know, Nashville is very different than the rural parts of Tennessee. Uh, so I, th I think that's important. I'm glad you brought that up. If we move on to uh, to talk about broadband. So one of the things I had written down, uh, you talked about the number of devices in the house is uh, is growing uh, significantly. Uh, you talked about uh, the percentage of folks ready for a, a potential speed bump. We talked about satis uh, satisfaction on the coverage with Wi-Fi uh, and then some managed Wi-Fi stuff. But, but let's talk there. Uh, let's start with the number of connected devices. I know that I am 
I am uh, helping lead that trend. You know, we've got some of the uh, the smart home uh, doodads everywhere. Um, but but what are you seeing in terms of the number of connected devices per home? So from the Cronin study, you know, we started this in 2016. Um, you know, specifically targeting the rural markets, and uh, there were. This is customers self-reporting the number of connected devices. So in 2016, there were 3.75 on average per home, climbing to 4.81 in 2017, and then 6.4 in 2018. So as you have devices proliferate, um, of course, customers need more speed. It's not uncommon in the industry to hear uh, our customers say to us, you know, just talking with them about their business and, you know, what are the challenges, that they get a lot of calls about my internet's not fast enough. And they'll frequently ask the uh, customers, well, how many devices do you have connected? Right. And they'll say a number like five or six. And then they'll actually log into the customer's router and see 10, 12. Um, and, you know, people aren't thinking about the number of devices they have. And, uh, uh as they connect them, things like, you know, I got an Amazon Alexa or a Chromecast or, you know, the plethora of consumer devices they have. You know, I gave the example in the talk in my own home. Um, I count 25 devices in my home is just three people. Okay. So, um, you know, much like, uh, much like you, you know, we're helping proliferate that for sure. And I'm fortunate enough to live in an area where we have fiber to home and very good internet. Right. And I think that's that's so important going forward uh, because, you know, those synchronous connections, a lot of folks are able to offer uh, with fiber um, those those faster speeds, you know, as as 5G rolls out and, and people start having high speed options on cellular. I think that that network that the telcos are providing uh, is I mean, it's literally made for smart home kind of applications. It's uh, it's perfect. I think that's important. And that's a big that's a big um, bump to go from three point seven five to six point four. In really just three years, I mean that's that's significant for an average. So, I want to talk about managed Wi-Fi um, because the one of the most um, uh, I guess memorable uh, parts of your presentation, uh, or one of the, the part that I've heard people talk about the most, uh, has been uh, you talked about the adoption rates for managed Wi-Fi. I think it was around um, maybe seventeen percent somewhere in that neighborhood of, uh, of customers that were interested. Um, manage Wi-Fi. But you also had a, a story about a, a telco in, in Texas that had a much higher rate. So let's let's start first just talking about what information the study found about people's attitude uh, towards um, you know, manage Wi-Fi that telco would offer. Right. So I'll back up a little bit and start with, you know, kind of the the preface is that in the end, even if the service provider says, well, I got fiber all the way to the ONT or, um, you know, whatever the broadband technology is all the way to the customer premise, uh, and then whether the customer supplies their own router or it's supplied by the service provider, um, the perception of the consumer is the Wi-Fi is the Internet, and the Internet is provided by the service provider. So even if they're a customer self-provided router that's outdated, if that's not performing as well as even their internet speed, the internet, when it comes to Wi-Fi, is only as good as the weakest point. Right. So the technology on the consumer in the home has continued to evolve. And so what you, know, what you find in the study is we, 
uh, Cronin asked a question, satisfaction with coverage of the Wi-Fi signal. And most people are pretty satisfied, but you know there are a small number that you know weren't very satisfied at all down in the bottom box. And you know even if they were to switch providers, that potential problem could still be there. So what you know we're encouraging uh, customers to do is a variety of things. You know one thing that we visited in the study was uh, interest in a speed bump trial, and there was very high interest in the speed bump trial. Uh, and as the devices have gone up, so what a speed bump trial is is, for example, some of our customers have done it around the holiday season, which is good because you have other people visiting your house and that, and you increase the internet speed for a trial period of time, and then they can keep it at a increased cost, maybe that's 5 or $10, whatever the next internet speed bump is, or they can call in and cancel that. And so it really helps the service provider from a revenue perspective. It helps them from a customer satisfaction perspective because as the number of devices go up, if they think the internet's not performing well, they don't think of it as, oh, it's me that hasn't subscribed to enough broadband. Instead, they think of it as it's the service provider's fault. So um, the speed bump trial can be an overall win-win-win sure. uh, across the board. Yeah, you know, no, consumer, I, service provider, and everyone else. I know that we've had several clients do that as well. The example that I always use there is um, going back 100 years or so, uh, when they were building the Lincoln Highway uh, through you know, trying to cross America with this road, uh, when most people um, you know, were still on the dirt roads and they didn't, you know, the cities, the states, the counties didn't see much reason to, to buy, you know, to pay money for this paved road to go through because they had the dirt roads. So what the folks did building that highway is they just would take sections between towns and pave a mile or two with nice, smooth, uh, you know, pavement. And when folks would try it and see how smooth it could be, um, they it completely changed their perception. They started putting pressure on the state and local governments to to pave these roads. And it's the same kind of thing to me uh, with the speed bump test is, is, you know, people don't know they're driving, um, you know, to extend the analogy a little bit, they're driving these bumpy dirt roads because their connection's too small. When they get to try, uh, you know, a faster speed that actually fits their needs, um, I think a lot of them are amazed at, at what they're able to get and uh, very pleased with it. So sorry for the, the history lesson there, but that's, that's the no, example that right. always comes to mind. So in terms of managed Wi-Fi, uh, what kind of interest um, were you seeing with folks? Because uh, I know awareness is a big part of that, just people understanding it exists and then understanding what it can do for them. But what, what did this, the study show about uh, attitudes towards managed Wi-Fi? Right. So the current... Um, when asked if these uh, rural consumers currently had a managed Wi-Fi service, um, been a slight increase since we started asking in 2017 to 2018, 15% to growing to 17%, but 83% no. So that's a huge opportunity for the service providers. Right. In that, um, so before we go to that, the next question was, um, interest in managed Wi-Fi. And so 60% were actually in the bottom box. And I think the reason that they're in the bottom box is uh, to offer managed Wi-Fi, the service provider has to do some missionary work in explaining the value of what that gets them. Yes. And so this is another win-win situation. The service provider has some missionary work to do to explain the value of managed Wi-Fi, and they could get the interest up much higher, uh, and in addition, get their 
penetration up much higher. But the, um, the key uh, with managed Wi-Fi is oftentimes, especially in our rural markets with our rural customers, they're helping the customer when they have Wi-Fi issues anyway. Right. And there are a variety of new tools from ourselves and other vendors to remotely reach into that home given the right routers and CPE being deployed by the service providers, uh, reach into that home and manage the Wi-Fi. So with that capability, they have the ability to monetize that by offering a managed Wi-Fi service. And then the follow-on step is they're increasing their customer satisfaction with the Wi-Fi service itself. They have opportunities to do things like reach into the home and see uh, the Wi-Fi is not that good because there's a bunch of interference and remotely change the channel of the router. Okay. Um, and that really yeah. goes a long way. It cuts the cost of the service provider for something they're trying to manage and fix anyway. And at the same time, they can monetize it by offering a managed Wi-Fi service. So the example um, that you had used or you had mentioned uh, that, that I heard a lot of people talking about. So the, the normal, um, you know, the average rate was um what 16 percent, 15 percent people that had signed up for um you know currently subscribed to the managed wi-fi but you talked about one telco i believe it was in texas that was 50 uh, percent or more so w- without i mean go as far into it as you'd like but what do you think the key was there uh, for them to have such dramatically different results than uh than the norm so for one they started very early on managed wi-fi okay um so the benefit for them, they saw this as a uh, potential problem going forward and something they were going to have to deal with anyway. And so to help them invest in the tools and you know get their employees trained and all of that, they came up with a managed Wi-Fi offering to their customers. They spent the time doing the missionary work, explaining it what it was, um, and they were able to get really high customer re- retention um, by putting that in some of their packages. Uh, and so, you know, their education and missionary work is just an example of the opportunity for other service providers. And there are other details behind that. You know, so the service provider, if they've always let customers supply their own routers or encourage that, they have to uh, potentially invest in modern CPE that support these remote troubleshooting tools and that. Right. But it's you know, something that can become very profitable for the service provider and, again, be a win all the way around. Sure. And, and you know, and I've heard from other folks that once you're able to do that, the overall satisfaction goes up, which means you're having to do less trouble tickets, less um, truck rolls. You know, it saves. Uh, there's some savings to be found there, too. Well, there's a lot of information in the, in the study and in your presentation. Uh, before we wrap up, is there any other piece we haven't gotten to that you wanted to, to mention, or do, have we covered most of what you were, uh, most of, of, of the, the key points there? Right. We covered the key points. Um, again, Innovative Systems sponsored the study by Cronin Communications, and if anyone would like a copy of that, they can contact us on our website, sales at innovsys.com, and we'd be happy to uh, send any of our service providers a copy of that study. It's 70 pages of information that we think provides a lot more information about the customers of the rural service providers uh, and differentiates them from their metropolitan counterparts and most of the studies you see out there. And that's so important to have that data specific to rural areas. So um, yeah, I guess on, on behalf of the industry, thanks for, for you guys investing in that because that's, that's great information for people to have. He is Scott uh, Sobolewski, the VP of Sales, Voice and Video with Innovative Systems. Scott, thanks for joining me. Thank you. 
I'm your host, Andy Johns, with Word South. Once again, we've got one or two more podcasts we're going to be recording here live at the KTATTA uh, Fall Joint Conference. Um, but until we talk again, keep telling your story. You've been listening to Story Connect, the podcast, a production of Word South, a content marketing company.